EO Fire 1346. I think when people are dancing on the edge of failure and they're growing and there's a void over there, but they keep moving forward, that's when we feel alive as people. Hey, Fire Nation, and welcome to EO Fire, where I chat with inspiring entrepreneurs seven days a week. If you're ready to create, grow, and monetize your podcast, text podcast course, all one word, to 33444 and ignite. Hold on to those afterburners, Fire Nation. JLD here, and I am fired up to bring you our featured guest today, Taylor Pearson. Taylor, are you prepared to ignite? Let's do it. I'm excited. Taylor is the author of The End of Jobs. Inc. Magazine rated The End of Jobs one of the top three start your own business books of 2015 and a top business book of 2015. A former Brazilian Super Bowl champion, Taylor has lived in Argentina, Brazil, Vietnam, and Thailand. Taylor, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that intro and give us just a little glimpse of your personal life. I was on track. Uh, I graduated from uh, college in 2011. I was a history major and I was kind of on track to be uh, a lawyer. And kind of on a whim, I ended up going to Argentina for a semester abroad type program. Um, and that was like a really big um, perspective opening experience for me that I thought there were maybe a few ways you could kind of do your career, that there was uh, only a few number of possibilities Um, And I saw a lot more opportunities as a result of that. I met people um, running online businesses. I met people teaching English there. Um, And that kind of got me into this um, experimental phase. I worked as an English interpreter, uh, Spanish English interpreter at hospitals uh, for a while. I was an English teacher. Um, And kind of in the process of all those things was doing things like listening to podcasts and reading blog posts. um, And got into this world of the internet and entrepreneurship. Um, and realized that that kind of career path was a thing that would give me more control and agency over my life, um, which was really exciting to me. So I, I worked for a marketing agency for a while. Um, I went to work for some entrepreneurs that actually had a company in San Diego, where you are. Um, we sold uh, e-commerce equipment. Um, and that was sort of the, the defining thread, this idea of um, how can I take back more control and, and agency? And that eventually turned into... Um, the end of jobs, which is writing this book kind of to myself um, in college or just out of college saying, you know, what is it that's going on in the world today with technology, with entrepreneurship um, that makes this new life path possible? Well, I'm excited to get into this because it is a new world out there, Fire Nation. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to bring you every single day with these great interviews with inspiring and successful entrepreneurs like Taylor. But Taylor, before we dive into what your journey as an entrepreneur is and was, we like to talk about dollars and cents because, listen, I mean, you were traveling in Argentina, Brazil, Vietnam, Thailand. I mean, this isn't cheap. You know, you've had to fund yourself and now you're writing a book and, you know, you've done this and that. How are you today generating revenue in your business? So right now it's uh, partially the book and then I have a small group, three to five at most, of uh, coaching and consulting clients I work with. Book sales. Now, I'm an author. I've spoken to a lot of authors. Are you able to make a living wage off of just book sales? I supplemented some. If I wanted to just live off the book sales, I I probably could actually. I've been um, pretty fortunate. The book sold 
uh, quite well. And then I've also sold the foreign rights. Um, so if the book does well enough, there are publishers in other company, uh, other countries that will say, Hey, we'd like to translate your book into Thai or Chinese or German. Um, and they'll pay you a lump sum for that. So I've had, um, four or five of those sales, um, in the four and five figure ranges, uh, and then just kind of ongoing sales from Amazon or maybe like, uh, two to 4,000 a month, depending on the month. Wow. So you're using Amazon to quite the level and leveraging that great audience. Are you doing any kind of advertising on Amazon or is that just all organic sales? It's all organic. I have it on Amazon, uh, which accounts for most of the sales. Audible, a lot of people, it's a business book. So business books do very well um, in audio from what I've seen. Uh, And then I sell direct through my website using Gumroad as well. Well, the thing about audiobooks too, I mean, Audible has really just set the standard that audiobooks are not cheap. I mean, you can get a book for two, three, four, five bucks a lot of times, and, and sometimes it's even hard to put your book over nine ninety nine because Amazon's really trying to regulate that and just make books all kind of in that range. But man, audiobooks, it's just like you go on there, it's like 25, 30 bucks for an audiobook. So uh, really interesting opportunities when you're an author, Fire Nation, with a great leverage point like an Amazon, like an Audible, et cetera. But let's move on, Taylor, to your journey as an entrepreneur, because you've had the ups, you've had the downs. You know, I'm sure one of your ups in your life has been a, a Brazilian Super Bowl champion. That must have been pretty cool. Uh, but I'm sure you've had some downs in there as well. So take us to not just the downs, to, but to what you consider your worst entrepreneurial moment to date. And really take us to that moment in time, Taylor, and tell us that story. In 2013, um, I've been working with the two entrepreneur, entrepreneurs I mentioned in San Diego. Uh, they had an e-commerce company, and one of the market segments we sold to was valet parking providers. So those guys that um, uh, park your car at like nice restaurants, they have these big black metal boxes outside that they hang the keys up in. Uh, we used to sell those black metal boxes. Uh, and we were sitting around, and we kind of thought about, well, hey, these guys are going to need software solutions. Um, and we have this big customer list, right? We've been in this business for a few years. Um, we know all these people. Um, what we can do is we can develop software. And even though, um, you know, we've never built software before and we don't know a lot about that kind of business, because we have this great um, proprietary customer list, um, we can build software for them. We can sell to that distribution channel. So um, we sat down for six months and we uh, partnered with the developer uh, and we put tens of thousands of dollars into this big um software product we were building. Um, we took it out to the market uh, and the first version fell um, totally flat. Mm. So we kind of tried to reinvent all these things. We said, okay, we're not going to use paper tickets anymore, which is what most people use. We're going to use these kind of reusable, eco-friendly tags and none of them cared. They wanted to keep using their paper tickets. And so all the stuff that we thought was um, brilliant and innovative um, had gone down. We said, okay, that's that's all right. We'll, um, we'll rebuild it. So uh, we rebuilt the whole thing from the ground up again, spent uh, a lot more time, a lot more money, uh, investing in it, um, got back to the market and people said, okay, we're interested. Um, but it turned out the number of people that were interested was about 10 to 20 companies. And because of how that market is made up, there's actually only a very small number of companies that are interested in software because you have to buy the iPhone and the iPads. And so the hardware costs are so high, um, that even if the software is inexpensive, it's still prohibitive unless you're one of these big enterprise companies. So this, you know, thousands of customers that we thought, oh, we'll take it to all of them. It was really only uh, 10 or 20 or maybe 50 customers. Everyone else in the market already knew who those customers were and they were already using their solutions. So we were basically trying to convince people to switch 
um, people that were using an existing solution that was just as good as ours to switch. Uh, and so after about a year, um, we, we shut that down and that was, um, we invested high five figures, um, by the time it was, um, all said and done. You know, it's really interesting and something I kind of want to talk about to you, Taylor, and, and with Fire Nation right now, because we just hear over and over again, like, build a better mail shop, build a better mail shop. And like, and if you do, you build something that's a little bit better or a lot better, like, you know, the market's going to come to you. And, and that's just not always a reality. And I mean, I, I look at my own life. I mean, I am sitting here looking at literally my 2007 purple iPod. This is like the iPod Nano. I mean, this thing is dinged up. It's scratched. But it's tiny. You know, it fits in my pocket. I don't even know it's there when I'm going on my walks or my runs. And there are so many, there are hundreds of better models out there that I can listen to podcasts and listen to music. But I've never upgraded because it just, it fits my purpose. It does what it needs to do. It's a success. I press play and I'm listening to my music and I'm on the bay and I don't notice it. I don't want to take my iPhone out on the bay and go running with this big iPhone 6 Plus and et cetera. So what I'm trying to get at is, how do we figure out like what problem to solve? Because you are solving a problem that frankly, and pretty obviously, a lot of people are like, yeah, that is better, dude. But the paper tickets work. You know, this system works. It's not broken. Your system's better, but it's just not worth it because we got other stuff to focus on. So like, what do you want to say to that? The two things I really took away, um, one is something uh, a guy named Steve Blank is called getting out of the building. And so like the tendency is you sit in your office, you sit in your building and like design the better mousetrap. Um, and what we learned in the second six months was at least we got out of the building and we started talking to these customers and understanding um, the pain points, the yeah, have, having that market feedback. Uh, and the other thing I really like is this idea of like the 10x rule. So um, like Trans, our switching costs are, are real, right? Like you don't want to switch to your new Nano because it's not, it works good enough for your purpose, yeah, right? You need something that's going to be way better. Um, so I like the idea of, is it 10X faster? Is it 10X better? Or is it 10X cheaper? Um, and if you can offer one of those things, it's really easy to get people to switch. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone said, um, you know, this, it's the same Nano, but it, you know, it costs, uh, your, yours breaks and this one costs a dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to, of course, you buy the one that's a dollar. Um, and so we were kind of maybe, a little bit better, a little bit cheaper, and a little bit faster. Um, but that's not enough for someone to go revamp their entire solution. So um, is this actually going to be um, 10 times better on some dimension, faster, cheaper, more durable, um, more interesting, cooler to tell your friends about whatever it is that's going to cause people to actually make the switch? Yeah, great past guest of EO Fire, Grant Cardone wrote the book, The 10X Rule. And it talks a little bit about what you're just focusing on. And I think it's so important. So I think there's two things to this Fire Nation that we really want to take away. I mean, I think Taylor is spot on. Like when you are going to create something in a market, especially in a market that, you know, it's, it's working. Like it's not just completely broken. Like they have a workable system that people are using and not just like complaining about to the high heavens. It's got to be 10x better. You really have to shoot for the stars there and just really knock it out of the park. And that's another great book I'll throw out here is The Magic of Thinking Big. And it's just like, we don't just want things that are just like a little bit better. Like these minimal gains, they just don't seem like that much at first. Yeah, and over the long term, they add up, but not right away. So make it 10x better. But I'm even going to take it a step further and say, Make sure it's really, 
really a pain point, that people are really having challenges and obstacles around this thing that you are going to create 10x better. So get out of the office, as Taylor said. You know, I don't even want you to spend six months inside doing something. Like, I want you to get out, have those conversations first, then get in, spend six months, then get back out and say, hey, this is what I've been working on. This is what you said. Like, am I going in the right direction? Like, that's the combination that you need to be focused on to make a successful product service community business. But Taylor, let's shift because I think you really knocked that out of the park to another story. And this one's going to be what you consider one of your greatest aha moments to date. So take us to that moment in time, Taylor. Tell us that story. I released my book the middle of last year. I released it on a Wednesday. I mean, I had all these big marketing, um, kind of marketing initiatives lined up, right? Let's hear about some of them. did a Thunderclap, which is thunderclap.it, which is a service that uh, you can send out links and it basically coordinates social media shares. How'd that work out for you? I, I call that overrated personally when I did that for Freedom Journal, but how was your experience? I did it in mid 2015, so I don't know. I think there's been some like algorithm changes since then, um, with how like Facebook and Twitter display oh, third party services. So I think it actually worked better when I did it than it does now. Um, but I, it was good. I would call it thunder tap for me. <laughs> yeah, um, it worked well for me. Good to hear. I also did a, a promotion. Um, Amazon lets you do a discount for the first five days. I did oh, yeah. the discount. Good call. And that was, I guess that was the main stuff. It was mostly just, there was this urgency from um, having the discount for five days. And then there was kind of just the word of mouth. And I'd done a lot of things kind of with um, my email list and my people that were reading my. So how big uh, was your email list at this point? It was about 400 people. Okay. So 400 people firing. No, that's exciting to hear for, for real. 400 people fire nation. I mean, that's a number that you can get to believe me. So keep going, Taylor. And so I'd email everyone letting them know. I'd email everyone asking them for reviews on Amazon. Uh, I'd said the book was discounted. Uh, and that kind of took me all of Wednesday and Thursday, the first two days um, that the launch was out. Uh, and then I woke up Friday. Um, and by noon on Friday, it was on pace to have an even better day. And I thought, wow. this is crazy. I didn't, do any, I, I didn't have anything left to do. I didn't have any more you know, marketing ideas. I sent out you know, like one tweet or something. Um, and sales continued to climb. That In fact, the biggest sales day um, was mid the next week. Um, and I had this sense of sort of being lifted up by all the people who were supporting me in the book and the message. Um, and it was this moment that kind of cemented in my mind is the importance of relationships and people. Um, and that there were things I'd done kind of over the past two or three years, because I thought, you know, they were probably a good idea that, you know, to help these people on spec or to reach out to these people or to build these relationships was um, probably a good thing. Uh, and that was just this um, real verification of I felt like I was kind of lifted up on people's soldiers uh, shoulders with all the support. So how much do you net in your own pocket per book sale? Like $3. I sell it for, the Kindle version is $4. Um, So yeah, $3 to $5, depending on if it's Kindle, Amazon, different platforms. And how many about do you sell per day? This point, uh, 20 to 25 uh, is like a typical day. Okay, so you can see, see anywhere from like 50 to 75 to 100 bucks a day from these book sales. Uh, yes. And so it was higher when the book initially launched and it's been kind of slowly um, dropping and it's kind of plateaued in the last few months. But it has kind of hit a plateau that is not going below, like it hasn't just completely drizzled out. No, it's been the same for about the last four or five months. 
See, I just went through that with Taylor because you got to know your numbers. Because now that Taylor knows his numbers, he knows how much he makes per book. He knows how much he's making per day. Now he can actually look and say, hey, should I start maybe looking to advertise on Amazon? Like when people are typing in the word job or people are typing in the word you know, entrepreneurship or whatever it might be, his keywords, can I get my book positioned in a favorable place within the Amazon advertising system to maybe boost some sales? And then he can start playing with those numbers, with those analytics. So my big takeaway from this is, Know your numbers, Fire Nation. And also, don't be afraid if you have a small email list. 400 is a small email list. And Taylor was able to really make things happen with that because he obviously had a very good connection with them. So it's not the size, it's the quality. It's the quality of the list. So make sure you're really engaging that list. You're keeping them warm. You're just giving them great content. You know, you're letting them know of what's coming up. All these things are super important as you're going on your journey. Now, Taylor, you have some strengths. We're going to talk about one of them in a second, but what's your biggest weakness as an entrepreneur? There's actually a great article by a guy named Ben Kesnoka. He worked with Reid Hoffman, uh, the founder of LinkedIn, for a long time, and he has this line, which is, um, your biggest strengths relate to your biggest weaknesses. And I really like this idea, and I found this to be very true, that um, you know, strengths and weaknesses are, are often very related. And so I think... Um, my weakness is very much tied to my strength um, in that I think I'm good at seeing kind of the perspective, the bigger things that are going on. You might call it systems thinking. I mean, I think the weakness that springs out of that uh, is that it often leads to inaction, that I see all these different moving pieces and I'm mm-hmm. trying to think about how they're all interacting. I'm trying to think, well, if I do this, then what's this going to happen and what that, what's that person going to do next? And I get stuck trying to figure out um, you know, the perfect way um, to engineer the whole thing on the front end instead of just getting started and um, iterating as I go. You share with us your weakness. You share with us a strength that you have. What is the one thing amongst everything that you have going on right now that you are most fired up about today? I'm really inspired. I finished a book called What Technology Wants by Kevin Kelly. Um, and one of the things he talks about is um, that technology has certain things that it wants and it's driving towards certain things. And one of those things is agency. This idea that technology empowers us um, to have more control and that we're, we're reaching a point with the internet, with everything that's going on right now, that more and more people have, um, greater control over their lives. And if you imagine, you know, being in a factory in England in 1800, um, versus today, um, that we have more and more control and agency over our lives. And so that's, that's the theme that I keep coming back to. That's the theme that gets me excited. No, I shudder sometimes when I think if I had been born just, you know, really 20 years, but I mean, especially 40 years earlier. I mean, it was just like your options. It's just like, what do you do? I mean, the, it's scary for someone like myself who just knew that I wasn't meant for a cubicle. You know, I wasn't meant for a traditional path. You know, I knew that I wanted to strike it on my own and, and have huge failures because of that, but also the opportunity for huge successes as well. So, I mean, just feel blessed for our nation that we live in a day and age where we have these opportunities. And again, it's not for everybody. And there's, the traditional path is still open. And, and that's awesome. But if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure the traditional path at least has some questions for you. And, and, and for a lot of you listening, the traditional path is just not an option like it's, it's not for myself. And I'm guessing TP as well here. So Fire Nation, don't you dare go anywhere because we're about to crush the lightning round. But let's take a quick minute to thank our sponsors. Ever started working on a project and been so excited you forgot about hiring someone to help make it a reality? Finding someone who is trustworthy and who can help bring your project to life is a big deal. That's why I love super niche businesses created to help solve a specific pain point like TopTal. 
I interviewed the founder of TopTal, Brendan, back on episode 132 of EO Fire. Brendan is very passionate about helping people find the perfect developer or designer, so much so that TopTal only accepts the top 3% of those they screen. TopTal also offers a risk-free two-week trial period. If you're not happy with the work done during your trial period, TopTal will pay the developer or designer and you'll get your money back. To get started on this amazing two-week no-risk trial, visit toptal.com fire or shoot me an email and I'll personally introduce you to the executive at TopTal who can help you get set up. John at eofire.com. Fire Nation, consider all the time you spend on your mobile phone, in line at the grocery store, while you're laying in bed about to fall asleep, even when you're sitting at a cafe enjoying your drink of choice. They're constantly at our disposal, making sure there's never a dull moment. In fact, we're on our mobile phones so much that keeping personal and business calls separate can be tough. You might even use two mobile phones, but that's expensive, and not to mention annoying. What if you miss that one big call you've been waiting for? That's why I use eVoice. You don't have to buy a second phone to get a second Line. There you go. Now you've got yet another reason to love your phone. So go ahead and grab it. Yep, that's the mobile phone right in your hands and visit evoice.com to add a second line today. Evoice is offering Fire Nation an extended 60-day free trial. Visit evoice.com and use promo code FIRE. That's evoice.com, promo code FIRE. Taylor, are you prepared for the lightning rounds? Let's do it. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? I think if I boil it down to one thing, it basically equates to imposter syndrome. I think I very much had this notion in my head, and I think the media does a disservice, and the nature of media does a disservice, that it creates the appearance of um, people being somehow more, entrepreneurs being somehow more special than they are. And I remember I actually went to a startup event in San Diego when I was living there, uh, and I met a guy, and I, I talked to him for about half an hour, and then he turns out he was the presenter, and he got on stage and he talked about uh, selling his company for $30 million. And I remember walking away and thinking like, I mean, that guy was smart and hardworking, and um, you know, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't like magical, right? There was like no pixie dust that like fell off of him as he was walking <laughs> uh, up to the stage. And so I think Having those interactions over and over where I saw people, I said, you know, that guy's smart and he started working. He's putting his time and he deserves it. Um, but, you know, I can do that, too, was something that finally pushed me over the edge. And I think that's so important, Fire Nation, for you guys just to realize. Like, that's why I love this new avenue that I have to share, like, my life, which is Snapchat. Because I just give, like, the behind the scenes of just me hanging out. You know, I went to an event this weekend and I just did a great job, like, hanging out with Kevin Harrington. And, you know, I presented as the opening keynote from stage. But then afterwards, you know, I was hanging out and people were coming up to me and they're just like, John, like, it's just so cool to see that, like, you're a down-to-earth person. Like, you're just here, you're hanging out. I'm like, well, yeah, like, um, what else did you expect? And it's just people have these perceptions that there is this pixie dust that's just around people that are successful. And that's just not the reality. Like, those people who have become successful and have just really kept that humbleness around them, you know, they just, they stay, they stay real. They stay to their roots, Fire Nation, and just realize that's why it's important to go to conferences, to meet people, just like Taylor did. He said, hey, that guy, so is coming for $30 million. He's just a dude. I'm just a dude. I can do it too, obviously. Like, it makes things real. It makes things real. So get out there, Fire Nation, invest in yourself. Like, go to conferences, go to meetups, go to, you know, meetup.org and like check out what's going on in your world. It's important stuff. Now, Taylor, what is the best advice you have ever received? 
I'm a big Seth Godin fan. There's a line he has from Startup School, which is a podcast he put out um, back in 2013, which is terrific. And it's, uh, I think when people are dancing on the edge of failure and they're growing and there's a void over there, but they keep moving forward, that's when we feel alive as people. Um, and I found that to be uh, incredibly true for me, that I think we always have this notion that um, someday I'll be safe and comfortable and secure um, and that inevitably what really makes us feel alive, what really makes it worth working up, waking up in the morning is this notion that we're dancing on the edge of failure uh, and we're still moving towards the edge. It's interesting. You know, I actually just listened to a podcast today and they were talking about how they did this huge poll and over half of the people that participated in this poll, it was a nationwide poll, said that they wouldn't have $400 if they needed to produce it today. Like they just wouldn't have that kind of money. They would have to go out and put on credit cards or get a loan or do something. And the reality is, my friends, if you're in that boat, by the way, don't feel terrible. You're in the majority, which is just the reality. But number two, maybe make the realization that whatever it is you're doing, whatever this quote-unquote comfortable path that you're on, um, it's not working. If you can't access $400 at a split-second notice, whatever you're doing is not working. So, you know, you are dancing on the edge of disaster right now. So why not just say, hey, this isn't working and I'm going to make a shift and try something new because how much worse could this really be? Like take that leap, give yourself a chance to live that life that you know you have inside you. Now, what is a personal habit tailor that contributes to your success? And let me clarify that last point because I think it's important to say that sure. uh, I think a lot of that is uh, emotionally dancing on the edge of failure. Um, that it's that sensation of, you know, I'm sure when you launched the podcast for the first time, terrifying. it wasn't going to, you know, it wasn't going to be financially ruinous, but it was this terrible, horrifying uh, sensation of how scary it was. So scary. Um, and I think that's kind of the feeling that's important to um, bump up against. But uh, yeah. to the personal habits question, I think one thing that's really served me well is the idea of dilettante input and focused output. So I'm very dilettante. I kind of consume whatever I want. Lots of different books, you know, science books, history books, different podcasts, different blogs. Um, and I kind of let myself explore in terms of what I read, what I listen to, um, but force myself to be very focused in what I'm working on and the output, what I'm creating. Um, so that means, you know, I can't go work on four projects at once. It means right. I have one focus and that's where my output is. And when I want to explore new things, that's fine. But that's something I kind of do in my uh, intake time and not my output time. Focus. Follow one course until success. Share an internet resource like Evernote with Fire Nation. So I'm going to share freedom.to. It's a app. It plugs into your iPhone, Mac, uh, laptop, tablet, everything you want it on. And it lets you block yourself uh, off distracting websites. So I actually have a block set up that from um, 8 p.m. until noon the following day, I can't go to Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, all the sites that I use to distract <laughs> myself. And so the you know I have to shut down by 8 o'clock at night. And when I wake up first thing in the morning, I have to actually do some real work before I go scroll through all the social media sites. If you could recommend just one book for our listeners to join the end of jobs on our bookshelves, what would it be and why? Sapiens by Noah Yuval Harari. 
Uh, it was one of the best books I read last year, probably the best books I read last year. And it was written, uh, the guy is an Israeli professor and it was written from the perspective of if you had aliens come down to earth, um, <laughs> and they were writing a history of humanity, what would that history look like? That most histories of humanity, because they've been written by humans are inherently biased that we think we're, uh, we're somehow special, but we're really just one species in this kind of long, uh, history of species. And so it really gives like, perspective and context to what it means to be human and what uh, what homo sapiens really are as a species. I rarely, and I want to underline, double underline the word rarely, read a book twice. And I read that book twice, Fire Nation. I mean, and it's not a short book. Like, it is an in-depth, powerful book. You know, Taylor, the last chapter actually blew me away, the chapter on happiness. Like, I wasn't expecting that chapter about happiness, and I was like, whoa, like, he really went there at the end. Like, that was super cool. Now, Taylor, I want to end this show on fire with a parting piece of guidance from you, the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Parting piece of guidance, I think, is to find your fear and to learn to dance with it. That's the thing I tell myself every day. Um, best places to connect with me, my website is taylorpearson.me. Uh, I'm at taylorpearson.me on Twitter, and my email is taylor at taylorpearson.me. Um, thank you very much. Well, hey, let me tell you what, Fire Nation. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and you've been hanging out with TP and JLD today, so keep up the heat. And head over to eofire.com. Just type Taylor in the search bar. His show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. Of course, check out his book, The End of Jobs, still rock and rolling in the Amazon store, taylorpearson.me. Or if you want to just email him directly, he's a cool dude. Taylor at taylorpearson.me. He's rocking the house. And Taylor, I want to thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. How much do you love your mobile phone? The answer is probably a lot. Not that you need it, but I'm about to give you one more reason to love your mobile phone. With eVoice, you can get a second light added so you'll never miss another business call again. It's like having two phones in one. eVoice is offering Fire Nation an extended 60-day free trial. Visit eVoice.com. Use promo code FIRE. That's eVoice.com. Promo code FIRE. Fire Nation, thank you for listening to EO Fire. Visit eofire.com for killer resources, free trainings, and so much more. Give the gift of freedom to your friend or loved one with The Freedom Journal, and they will accomplish their number one goal in 100 days. Visit thefreedomjournal.com and ignite.